Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is a Monday. I got to restart. Is that like the first time that's ever happened? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we're keeping that. Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is a Monday minute episode, which are shorter and more informal episodes where we answer your listener questions. As we have just heard, Jakey is here. Steve is not here. So it's just the two of us. Speaking of the two of us, Jake, what's going on? today as this episode is released what's going on right now when this episode is released it means the black friday sale is live boom go get you a pack yeah <laughs> so if you call i was gonna say it's oh, gonna go be ahead, go either ahead. jake or i probably answering the phone but we're pre-recording this on uh the friday before because we know that uh monday is going to be one of the busiest days of the year so an advanced good luck to you jake Thank you. Yeah, March 28th was the busiest so far when we released K4. Was that the specific um, launch date? Oh, yeah. I don't even know. Oh, yeah. um, and then there was definitely some days in August that were just pretty crazy. It was when you were you were gone, Steve was gone, and <laughs> Pat was gone. trying to throw me like, under the bus? Oh. No, you were. No, not at all. But I'm just saying it was definitely a busy one. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely well prepared for, for what today quote unquote is going to be like yeah <laughs> i was going to ask you to tell the sales to, sorry to tell the the details of the sale but speaking of throwing people under the bus for being gone hunting you've been out hunting all week this week this past week do you even know what's going on for the sale or can you tell us <laughs> i'll give it to you <laughs> okay so it's gonna be 10 percent off site-wide so all new K4 pack systems, pack accessories, logo gear, remaining K3 inventory, etc. 10% off site wide, uh, essentially, as we said, starting now. So November 20th, that discount will be auto automatically applied at checkout. So you won't see the sale price on the product page, but as you add items to your cart and check out, it's going to take 10% off of your total. It will last for a limited time. We don't know how long of a limited time that will be. We essentially have a certain amount of our inventory that we can sell at that sale price. And so essentially uh, when we get or get near that point, we're going to have to stop the sale. Definitely don't anticipate it's going to sell out in minutes or hours or anything like that. Um, but I would just say that if you're hearing this on Monday, hopefully into Tuesday, it'll still be going on maybe after that. I have no idea. Um, but if you're hearing this like days and days after it's released and you go to our website and you don't see a sale, it's probably because of the sales over. So hopefully don't delay if you're interested. If you do have any questions, uh, just let us know, send us an email, give us a call. And if you hopefully are signed up for our emails, you would have gotten notified about this and we will do kind of a last call email before the sale ends. So that's the nitty gritty. Won't bore you with more but uh yeah give us a shout if you have any questions and you'll probably talk to jake myself i love it all right you're back from a hunt last week we talked briefly before your hunt yeah we haven't talked doing... in like two weeks i know well, i was gonna say we talked on the podcast i think it was a monday minute we talked about you going whitetail hunting right we mentioned that right yeah. right because you guys were going to kodiak then i didn't talk to you and then you guys got back and then that's when I was going whitetail hunting. So yeah, we virtual yes. high-fived as I was coming back yes. from Kodiak and you were leaving to go whitetail hunting. <laughs> I don't, here, here's what I know. 
you sent me a photo and you shot a buck. That's about all I know. So I'm right here with the listeners. I want to hear more about the trip, how things went down. We talked before, it was like your first time hunting from a tree stand, first time hunting whitetail, like... I think yeah. there's some stuff to pull. So I don't know where to start because I don't know the story, but. Yeah, absolutely. I know we talked just a little bit yesterday and I was like, you know what? Let's just tell you the story tomorrow or today. Um, that way it's kind of, you, your your reaction is going to be natural and you don't have to fake it for the listeners. <laughs> um, yeah. So we we headed out Saturday morning early. Uh, we went up just to go hunt whitetail with a good buddy of my dad's. And um, yeah, he's a whitetail junkie through and through. So my dad and I have just, we've never hunted whitetail before. Um, Not that we haven't been interested in it before. It's just, you know, we're so accustomed to hunting mule deer. So this was a whole new change for us, just doing something completely different, sitting tree stands. Um, That's, that's, I have a, I have a great appreciation for people who have the patience and have the skill for tree stand, which I'll get to. Um, But yeah, I mean, just jumping right into it Saturday, we got there around, I don't know, noon. Um, It was it was just like a little deer camp. It wasn't like any special backcountry hunt type deal. Uh, so we brought the trailer and everything and, you know, we went straight out to it, got on the first stand and just a little bit of a backstory. I know my dad's going to be okay with me saying this, but like he's, he's very <clears throat> cautious or aware of heights. Like he just doesn't like heights. That's and I get a little PC. bit of that. <laughs> you don't have a fear of heights. You are, you have a height awareness. Caution. I like that. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be as polite as possible. Um, yeah. No, I mean, every, I mean, I will say like those tree stands are buddy sets and he has them up high. Um, and that's just cause you know, I mean, he gets it done. He kills big whitetail every year. So he's definitely doing something right. But anyways, ever since I was a kid, I knew my dad just had a, you know, a little, just didn't like heights and, and I was the same way. I'm not as bad. I could do a little bit more stuff like that. Like roller coasters don't affect me, affects him type deal. But the first night we got dropped off into separate stands and we all got up fine and everything. It was actually, the wind was ripping pretty hard um, that night. And so you just feel that tree sway left and right. Um, it started to just kind of like make you grip the tree stand and you're like, what, what's, what's going to happen if this tree quote unquote broke? But I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. So while we're in the tree stand, you know, we have service. So we're just, um, we would text um, each other, like any luck or seeing anything. Um, so that first night I actually had a great, it was, it was super cool. Like you got settled in and once, like, once you get settled in after like 30 minutes, all of a sudden, just the whole, the whole forest just comes alive. And it's so cool. Cause it doesn't, they don't see you. No animals see you. They can't smell you. Uh, and you just have like this aerial image of just everything that's going on. And it's pretty unique. So that, yeah, there was a spike that came in and my gosh, he, he just gave me the most amazing shot at like 15 yards. I think I sent you the video uh, yeah, in our did. group chat between. Yeah. And he just gave me just the most amazing quartering away shot and was just standing there for, for forever. And I had five days. So we got there Saturday. We had till Wednesday afternoon and I was like, man, like if I'm here for just like, that's, that's a, that's a second day or a third day buck, but like first day. Ah, there's got to be something else. And I'm not saying I'm not grateful to shoot a spike because I mean, that's we're meat hunters, you know, and also experienced hunters. But I was just like, let's, let's, you know, let this guy walk. And um, so it was cool just to kind of see him do what he did. And uh, later on, like a doe and a fawn came through. And that was that. The next day, uh, we went up early in the morning to another spot. 
you know, we just kept moving from stand to stand. Um, so we went the next morning into a different spot and, um, that was a, that was a spooky, spooky stand situation. This one was basically like half the seat was basically like just torn away. And a lot of it was just like paracord rope kind of. And so your butt is like half on it, half off of it. But our buddy, Mike, when he sits a tree stand, he doesn't sit, he just stands in it. And I I think that's, you know, most tree stand hunters or most experienced hunters do is they stand in a tree stand. So that way you just get numerous, you know, shot angles and stuff like that. For me, you know, being a brand new guy, just getting familiar with it, you know, we're, I kid you not, we're 30 feet up in the air. Like he sets his stands 30 feet up in there and I'll show you a picture later, but they're up high. And so when you're climbing that thing and, you know, pitch black early in the morning, it's cold. I don't know, man. It's just, you're definitely, you definitely be aware because you don't want, you don't want to make the wrong step or anything like that. But so that's always, that was, I wouldn't say it rattled me, but it definitely, it definitely made me aware. And so you, I finally get up there and it, took me a while to kind of get acclimated to it. I'm like, Whoa, like you're looking down below you ready to uh, rope up your bow and you just feel kind of off centered. You're, you're, I don't know, man, you just kind of get a little bit dizzy. So, um, I ended up getting it up there and sat the stand again and, you know, um, another, uh, like 30 minutes later, (laughs) a one point came through, not a spike, just a one point came like through. Like a one-sided like, spike? Like a one-sided spike. Yeah. Interesting. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's getting worse and worse. Um, so I let him walk again. Um, and so it wasn't that eventful. Like the first two sits, so the evening and then the next morning, those weren't super you know, eventful at all. But um, it was great to just kind of get familiar with sit and stand and uh, doing all of that. So that, that definitely kept me, kept me busy, kept me focused and awake. Um, my dad actually on the other end, you know, that next morning when I climbed up that sketchy stand, he ended up just calling it and he ended up, he knew he was going to probably do this uh, at one point. And so he ended up bringing his own blind. And so he sat a blind, um, or set up a blind right below his tree stand spot. And so he did that for the rest of the hunts. Um, and I don't blame him. Like if he doesn't feel comfortable or, you know, feels like he's putting himself in a you know bad spot, like you definitely don't want to do that. Um, so that was the first morning, definitely slow. The first two sits and we relocate, uh, completely to a completely different spot. And again, we kind of split off in all three separate ways. And Mike had set me up on this one tree stand and it was actually the most safest. I should say like the ladders go, the ladder goes all the way up, but the stand was probably the highest. And that one was just like, oh my gosh, it was just unreal. I'm like, wow, these tree stand guys definitely are, uh, they're tough. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's hats off to you guys, whoever, um, you know, whoever sits tree stands as high as that. So it took me a little bit just to kind of be like, all right, like, you know, tie up your bow, tie up, uh, tie up the pack so you can get it ready to, um, you know, bring it up. I didn't want to hike up or, you know, climb up that tree stand with a pack on. I'm just not not there yet, not experienced enough to do so. Um, but the biggest thing is once you get to that last set of, uh, that last ladder set, there's nothing above the stand. All you have to grab is the stand. So it's that transition that got me the most, just lifting your leg up, getting up there, getting your safety harness wrapped around the tree. It was just like 
that series of events is the one that like kind of got me a lot. So this stand, I climbed up, then climbed back down, climbed up, back down. And then finally on the third one, I, I finally got up into the stand. I was just trying to get acclimated, man. It was just really, again, something, yeah, completely. It's so completely funny new. how, I don't know, something I just, I mean, I remember, I guess I remember having that like anxiety or getting used to it, but you know, that was years and years and years ago. It's something I haven't thought about in a long time. So it's just funny to hear your perspective on, yeah, how weird it is to climb up and get in a tree stand. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was actually, I did think about it and you, you definitely, I, I, I'm sure we've, we've talked about this numerous times on the pod before, but, you know, just putting yourself in an uncomfortable spot. And now I wasn't trying to push myself to put myself in a dangerous spot. Cause again, like you don't want to make a you know bad step and fall. Like that would definitely stink. But I was just like, man, like you can do this. Just yeah. get ready for it. Like just, well, just keep trying. And on one hand, it, on one hand, it's like, okay, it's just a tree stand. No big deal. Like not, but people die climbing tree stands yeah. or falling from tree. Like it is something you do have to just not like, especially when you're new to it, make assumptions about, or be careless about. You do have to be thoughtful with what you're doing. Cause right. yeah, people die, people get paralyzed, etc. It's yeah. Falling from 20 plus feet is no joke. Uh, exactly, man. Like that actually just happened here in Idaho. I heard some story through Rob, like somebody found another person, you know, who fell out of a tree stand. So uh, yeah, you want to be aware and cautious, but anyways, it was just, you know, putting yourself in an uncomfortable spot, something that I've never done before. And so I finally get up there and um, I actually just sat in the stand for a little bit and I ended up bringing my bow and my pack up there and I got used to it after a little bit. And I was like, you know what? Like it's more, I think just a mental, a mental battle with, you know, myself just kind of getting over that uh, hump of just being okay with it. Once you get, once you get your harness tied in and you're all good to go, like knock on wood, nothing's going to, like, most more than likely nothing's going to happen. Uh, and then once you're up there, you're up there and you've just got just this amazing aerial image of everything, all of the shooting lanes. And, um, you know, with that, it's just super thick country. So sitting on the ground versus being up high, I mean, that's just two different, um, <laughs> two different things. Like you get, you, you just get so much view of everything that's going around you when you're up there. So I sat it for, I don't know, about an hour and all of a sudden I was like, man, I had to go to the bathroom and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lower my gear down, um, lower my bow, lower my pack, go to the bathroom. And I'm just going to eat a little bit of a snack. And so I'm, I literally, I set my XO on, I just sat, stand it up straight and I lean it up against the ladder of the tree or the, you know, basically the ladder. And so I lean that up. So I basically use my pack as like a sit pad. Um, so I'm kind of elevated. I'm literally like sitting in a chair almost. And so I have like, all my puffy it's 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 like 60 degrees out it was pretty warm at that you know time i think it was like 3 30 and so the sun was kind of beating right on my face so i was able to put like my you know big white tail jacket in my pack to kind of give me a little bit of a cushion so i decided to eat a little bit of food and honestly i'm glad i did this but i set my bow to the side but i uh, knock an arrow and i was just like you know i'm gonna be here for at least 20 minutes i was in no rush to get back into the stand Cause I don't want to push myself or be, you know, in a hurry or anything like that. So once I'm ready, I'll go up there. But for the meantime, I'll just have my arrow knocked in my bow. Dude, I kid you not like 15 minutes later, I was eating some food and I was actually on my, 
I was having an almond roca. Those were like my favorite things, um, favorite candies ever. What and is I was it? on my last one. Is. An almond roca. It's like um, chocolate covered um, toffee. Yeah, chocolate covered toffee with like, you know, uh, nuts sprinkled over it or whatever. Oh, it's huh. so good. It's definitely, you definitely need to try it, but it, that's not the point. The point is I'm sitting there and I'm eating this and all of a sudden I hear some leaves crunch right in front of me. And I was like, I look up, I go, no way. And I see a deer and I can see it through, through the thick, thick brush. And, um, all of a sudden this deer's feeding to me and I couldn't tell if it was a buck or a doe. And then finally, you know, it comes in another 10 yards and I can see it's a legit buck. And I'm like, holy, holy cow, this is actually happening. So I grab my bow immediately and I don't have enough time to really get, you know, nervous or excited or shaky. Cause I just know like, all right, I'm looking at all all the lanes that he could possibly come through and when, when the best time is to draw my bow, granted the wind is coming at my face. And that's the thing that helped me the most, obviously, because if not, and that wind was going at my back, I think that buck would have definitely spooked. But anyways, he was out at like 70 yards, ends up closing the distance. And he's about like 30 at this point. And I see like one bush, the last bush that I can draw my bow back without disturbing anything. And so I, I pull my bow back and I'm anchored ready to go. And he's still just kind of working his way to, to me. And it's kind of like in a pinch point. So by the time he, you know, gives me a shot opportunity, this guy's going to be close. Well, sure as heck, man, he comes feeding through and he's not in any hurry, not spooking or anything like that. Just on a little, on a little stroll basically. And it's like three forty-five, three fifty at this point. And all of a sudden he kind of turns and heads directly at me. And there's like a little dip into the terrain talking like two foot dip and kind of like comes back up and all of a sudden I'm looking, he's looking directly at me frontal at 15 yards and I'm sitting on the ground, literally leaning on my pack or sitting on my pack, leaning on the tree, full draw sun is just right in my face. And I'm like, all right, like the only, I sighted in for 20, 30, 40, because I knew it was only going to be, you know, close shots and those whitetail are definitely jumpy. Um, so I've heard and yeah, man, I, you know, just have a good shot. I kind of aim low. I knew right where kind of the vitals would be. And I just had my th- finger over the, the trigger and just pull back, boom, you know, right directly into the chest uh, or in that chest area. And I knew when I shot, I could see through my housing. I could immediately see, you know, red, but I knew immediately like that's a, that's dead center left and right was perfect, but I couldn't tell quite what the elevation was like if I was too high or too low. So it sounded like an archery target, like, like my arrow was hitting an archery target. It was just a thwack. So he ran off and I, then immediately the shakes started happening. Like, holy (laughs) cow, like that actually just happened. And that's just a lesson, like total quick tangent. That's just a lesson. Like be ready no matter what, like I was not even prepared to shoot anything. Granted, I, I, I was, I had my bow ready, but I didn't think that that could have happened. So I went over there real quick, right where I shot him and I see my arrow and I was like, oh, great. And I look and there's no blood, no nothing, but it's broken off. And there was about, so basically what was left, there was about eight inches of arrow in him. So I have, you know, the rest of the arrow that's not bloody or anything like that. And I'm like, dang, like what happened? You know, did I get enough penetration? Where did I hit? I hit a bone. You know, I knew I definitely hit some bone because it was just a loud thwack, but 
anyways, I only went like another 15 yards and I didn't find any blood. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to give him some time and, you know, it gets dark around like five fifteen. So I gave him about 45 minutes to an hour. And the other guys, my dad and Mike came over to me and we went and looked for him 50 yards from where I shot. Finally, we see a pin drop of blood. And by then, man, I'm just, I'm sick. I'm not sick to my stomach, but I'm just, I'm bumming. I'm like, man, like what happened? Like, where did I shoot? No blood um, or not as much blood as I was, I was hoping. And we finally go another like 10 yards, you know, so we're at 75 yards from where I hit him at this point. And then all of a sudden you, you've got one pile of blood, take another three steps, another pile of blood. And then you take another three steps and boom, he's right there. I was like, holy smokes. And he was just dead. Basically, so I'm shooting a sever inch and three quarter titanium. Uh, so it's an expandable, great broadhead, flies great. Um, and that thing, I hit him right in the sternum and it cut right through the sternum and into his heart. So I didn't get that much of a blood trail, but that thing, I mean, he died 80 yards from where I shot him. He just tucked away in brush and I didn't hear him crash or anything like that. But yeah, he was, I'm sure he was dead in 20 seconds um, after I shot, but I was smart. I, I definitely wanted to make sure to give him some time just in case, you know, it was a bad shot or something like that, which I didn't think it was. Um, but yeah, I ended up, we ended up finding him and that was that. I had no idea that's how it all went down. How wild. Yeah, it was cool, man. And so we ended up just, you know, taking some pictures, put them on the game cart, took them back, you know, took them away, um, and skinned them basically outside of that area. Um, you know, Mike's very cautious about <clears throat> where you're, where you're skinning them, where you're gutting them and stuff like that. So that was definitely a chore. I think putting them in a pack would have been way easier. I feel like it's a sin saying I didn't pack them out working for a pack company, <laughs> but and he's yeah, a, man, it was super cool. Go ahead. He's a solid, uh, what, what do you want to call it? Three by three, Jake? <laughs> well, whitetail guys call him an eight, eight point. <laughs> I was like, it's a solid three point. And Mike's like, no, nope, that's an eight point. Yeah. It's, yeah. A great buck, man. Like first yeah, archery whitetail and just the, the story of it was super cool. And, um, I was super stoked, man. Like I couldn't have done it without, you know, our friend Mike. And it was just super cool to share that experience, obviously with my favorite best hunting partner, my dad. And yeah, man. So that was day two. And so we had three days left. I just, it just, the sense, the the moment of relief, I was just so, I was so happy. I was able to get it done and um, definitely looking forward to having some whitetail as well. But yeah, man, it was a, it just happened so fast. It was, it was definitely a great time. I mean, it's so good that you were ready. And I know that that's so minor, but having your bow accessible and an arrow knocked, even when you're not expecting it, I mean, I could only venture to guess because I've been there myself that if this were you a couple of years ago, that probably wouldn't have been the case, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put to, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have just kind of had it laying down, but I just, I knew, I know things can happen after more and more time in the field. It's just no matter what you're doing, uh, when you're doing it, just always be ready. And that was my biggest takeaway from that hunt is just, I, I was in just a spot where no whitetail hunter would have thought I would have gotten a shot off probably. And sure as heck I did. Um, so yeah, man, just always being ready is going to be something I remember. And that's going to be something that I'll, I won't forget. Yeah, that's cool. 
this is a maybe a weird question, but I kept thinking of it as you were talking about hunting different stands and this and that and the other thing. And, you know, this is a new area to you. How was Mike telling you where to go or showing you where to go? Was he just giving you like, hey, here's an Onyx waypoint. There's a tree stand here. Was he taking you to a tree stand? Because like, especially in the morning when you're going in in the dark, what was that like? practically. Yeah. My, that's funny. You said that. Cause my dad and I were talking about it on the last day. So we ended up hunting through and my dad ended up, he didn't, he wasn't able to get one. Um, he, we did have a buck come in and it was super close. Um, just didn't get a shot opportunity from the blind. Mike ended up getting a really nice one on the last evening, but so on the, the last morning before we packed up and left in the afternoon, you know, we hike through and it's, you know, pitch black and he doesn't have his on X or anything. And just, takes us right to the stand. But when we were driving back, my dad's like, do you realize like he never pulled out his on X or anything like that when he was taking each and every one of us to the blind? I'm like, dude, like he, he just knows this place, like the back of his hand, you know, he's hunted it for years and years and years and has just grown. Like that's, that's his baby. Uh, he knows this, he knows this area, like the back of his hand. Um, so, I mean, he would, basically walk us all the way up to about the stand. And then 50 yards from the stand, he'd point at it and say, you know, there's the stand and, you know, good luck. And then he'd go and um, go do his thing. So yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I just, I know, I, I doubt he's going to listen to this podcast. You know, he's not a big podcaster or social media guy, but I just I have to Mike. say, <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> I just have to say thank you to him. Cause um, you know, bringing somebody into um, bringing somebody new or two people new into like their area and their, their hunt is definitely something difficult. Cause I know for my dad and I, you know, taking people to a, a spot is definitely sacred and you don't like, you don't want somebody to spread information or anything like that, which I'm definitely not doing. Um, but yeah, man, I just can't, I can't thank him enough, but I, I definitely want to go again. That's for sure. I'm hooked. Um, whitetail hunting is completely different than anything else I've done. And it's a good time for sure. Very, very cool. Did, was there any other besides, I mean, something you didn't mention of like takeaways, whether that was lessons learned, just the practicalities of being in a tree stand, any like gear stuff you noticed that was different from a whitetail perspective, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few things. I, I, I also do want to say, I can't, I don't name, I can't name drop just cause I, I'd have to spend like 10 minutes on my email looking, but I did have a few people actually shoot me a couple emails directly to, uh, to me. So I just want to say thank you. Oh, cool. You know, a couple of them were, yeah, it was really cool. Like a couple of them were just, you know, whitetail hunters who've, um, who, who basically were giving me advice of like, Hey, try this, try that. Um, one guy talked about like, a an electronic hand warmer instead of like the little buddies. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just got a, I just got a, definitely a good amount of people who sent me emails just saying good luck and you know here's what i would do and stuff like that so i just want to say thank you to those guys sorry i can't name drop or else like i said i'd be here for 15 minutes looking at the emails but um you know as, as far as that i mean uh, or as gear and takeaways i would say gear man you just got to be warm so finding something that keeps you warm is you know especially in the um feet area like we just, I just wore like the insulated muck boots or sorry, lacrosse boots, um, like the 1600, uh, insulate those things kept me warm and toasty. Um, you know, big, big jackets that I'm definitely not used to carrying like in the back country. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's really it. Just making sure you have warm clothing. Yeah. I was definitely, what, sorry, this made me think of it. What pack did yeah. you take? I took what the 2200. Okay. Yeah. So that was, that's something that I talked to. I, 
you know, when I talk to people all the time, I don't have, I never did before have, you know, hands-on experience about, you know, whitetail hunting with our packs or anything like that. And I know you have, so I've just taken your advice from it. And then obviously a lot of our other, you know, guys that we work with who take our packs in the stand, but this was great because I was able to use the 2200 and I, you know, mounted, um, you know, mounted a little screw into the tree and put my pack there. And the 2200 was great just because of that U-shaped zipper. And I mm-hmm. love that, you know, our, that new integrated lid pocket that we have. So it just kept things handy. Um, I tried to be as quiet as possible. So eating food wasn't um, as easy because I didn't want to make any crinkle noises or anything like that. But like grabbing like a, a beanie or um, gloves, just quick items like that was definitely handy with the 2200 yeah um so, so sorry, that was, food made me think of something else if you have that? like well if for whitetail hunting because you said it noisy like if you have super crunchy packaging repackaging that stuff into like a ziploc or even i've like gone crazy before and just wrap stuff in paper towels uh, yeah. that's a tiny little tip but things like especially something like a bar right like a granola bar and then especially as those wrappers get cold they're so stinking loud um yeah so something that i've done in the past is just like wrap that stuff up in paper towel like that morning or something and it's a lot quieter to get access to food yeah i swear the sound is amplified like 10 times when you're up in the stand and it's quiet it's freezing because i definitely pack just good junk food i wouldn't say junk food but just snacks that i just love so i was having like a fruit roll-up or whatever just something that was nice but those wrappers just got super loud um yeah no i definitely will take that advice next time I go out, just rewrapping stuff and putting it in something a little bit quieter. Um, one thing I do want to say, just another shout out. Uh, I know you're friends with him, our buddy Judd over at Easton, just for taking care of me, sending some arrows and those, those sever broadheads, um, stuff like that, though, that I love my arrow setup. I think I'm, I think they're like 440. Um, just a great, great arrow setup. And then my new bow, I'm loving that thing. I'm shooting the new Matthews phase four. Um, I turned that down actually two turns just, just in case. Um, Cause I have, it, I shoot 70 pound limbs, but I turned it down just in case like, man, if I'm in the stand cold, you know, I've got four layers on plus a giant jacket. I want to make sure I'm pulling this thing back without having a yank on it, end up falling out of the stand or just couldn't, couldn't pull it back at all. And so I think, I think was a dream. Um, did you reside in or did you feel that it didn't did. matter for yeah. those close? No, I did actually. So okay. when I turned it down, so my, it was 30, 40, 50 and my 50 was my floater when it was maxed out, turned it down two turns. I kid you not, like, I wouldn't lie about this. When I turned it down two, it exactly made my 30, my 20. It, it just took everything just down 20, 10 30, yards. 40. Yeah. And I, I was like, awesome. well, I don't need to. So I, I mean, I recalibrate, I re I just verified, um, and everything was 20, 30, 40. And I was like, wow, that was easy. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it as far as gear. I mean, it's as long as you have warm clothes, a little bit of food and, um, you know, a safety harness, that's all you need. Um, and then one little other mini thing was the stabilizing binos from SIG. Those are just nice because you can just pull those out and you're just glassing nice. And, you know, if you get a good view of, you know, like a field or something like that, you can kind of put some glass over there. But other than that, it was pretty, pretty easy, pretty, pretty mellow. Nice. Yeah. I was curious on the pack when it going back to that question and I'm not trying to make a pack commercial, but we just haven't talked much <laughs> about our packs and whitetail hunting, but you had mentioned a pack and then you had also mentioned like 
your big whitetail coat that you're not used to. And that's something that I've definitely, uh, and speaking with customers have like, I don't say made them aware of, but just a reminder. Cause like a common scenario is someone will call and they're, you know, they live in the Midwest or out East and they're thinking of a bigger pack for a Western trip. But then they're like, I want something I can whitetail hunt with too. That's not too big. And one is all of our bigger packs do compress well. But the other thing I remind them of, especially based on where they live, it could be different if a guy's in, you know, Georgia versus Minnesota or something. But I try to remind guys like, hey, if you do any later cold weather tree stand hunting, you may actually want that extra space. Not that you want to fill it all the way up, but especially for guys who hike in and they carry like a full bib set or a really mm-hmm. bulky insulation layer, not like a a real lightweight down jacket, but like a heavier white tail coat is something like a 48. It's just not overkill. And I'm not saying you're going to use no. all the space, but it does give you that flexibility of like, especially if you're hunting public land and you got a longer hike into a tree stand, you clearly don't want to hike in all your layers. And some of those layers are just bulky. So yeah, it often comes up where a guy's like, oh, I'm interested in, you know, say a 5,000 for this elk trip, but I just think it's way too big or overkill for what I'm doing at home. And that's generally not always the case. So yeah, just want to mention that because we haven't really talked about that much. For sure. Yeah. And I'll chime in on that. Like when I was going in, I was, I did, I did have a bib set on hand and I wore that, that first morning. Um, me personally, now I'm sure there's whitetail guys who again are more comfortable in a stand that can, you know, change and do, you know, and add layers or something like that. Me personally, like I'm not doing anything that requires the, you know, <laughs> mo- more, movement than, more movement than the bare minimum. Yeah. On the, on the stand. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so I went in, but those, the bibs that I have, have a little bit of like, you know, z- zip, so you can ventilate a little bit, but, um, when I was on the evening hunts, it didn't get as cold. And so I had, you know, like my, you know, outer or my, my whitetail jacket. And I knew that, you know, it fits the whitetail jacket can fit in the 2200 and there's a little bit more space, but like if you were doing a bib set, it, that definitely wouldn't work. You'd probably have to clip something to the outside of the pack. Um, but I mean, the 2200 is still a great pack for the majority of I'm sure whitetail hunting, but yeah, I mean, I, I would yeah. second to what you said is um, for those guys who are just packing in more gear and, you know, need to kind of layer up, layer down and put stuff in the bag. I think the 5,000 is a great choice. Yeah. That 2200, if you don't need all that big space, I'm not trying to contradict myself, but just to <laughs> highlight it, what you said about that built-in lid is that's super handy from a tree stand. Um, just the accessibility and like organization of the 2200 is great as well. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool, I mean, that was definitely a cool, cool time. Um, and then I just, I can't stop saying thank yous. I got to say thank you to my, my old man. Again I feel like just, you're at the Grammys or something. There's so many thank yous in this. I need episode. to work on the Grammy speech then. Cause it's definitely <laughs> all over the place, but I got to say thanks to my pops just for, you know, going along and just being thrilled for me. And, you know, I was, I was bummed that he wasn't able to get something, but just, you know, my dad, his character, he cares about just, you know, his kids. So he was just more thrilled than ever, you know, that I was able to get something and, um, yeah, that was cool. And then obviously thank you to you and you and Steve for letting me take off Monday through Wednesday to chase some whitetails. Now I got to get back to work. Well, 
right now. Sure you're busy Friday, so. right now at this very moment. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, at this very moment on Monday, I'm sure I'd just be rather podcasting right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm excited, but yeah, man, it was a good time. Uh, bummed, you know, season's over for me. All I had was a white tail and an elk tag. So, um, looking forward to to next year. Hopefully, maybe we can all do something as a as a team next year. That'd be cool. But yeah, yeah, man, I think it was a a good season so far for EXO. Kind of, yeah. 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 Oh, do you have any other, I don't know, maybe I've already asked you this, any other takeaways from your elk season? I think we debriefed that a little bit, but if you just look back at, since you said your season's over, like if you look back at this season of a whole, is there any other standouts or takeaways besides what we just discussed on this whitetail hunt? Yeah. I mean, just with elk hunting, like, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think. I, I forget what I said on the last podcast. Oh yeah. That's yeah. It was when we were talking about before I went on this trip, um, you know, elk season was, you know, we hunted some new country. So I think just hunting new country, you're, you're not as you know familiar obviously with kind of that area and stuff like that. And you don't know how the elk are kind of acting, but I mean, we, we can't, I mean, I think I hunted 13 or 14 days in September. So we gave it a lot. I had opportunities at some cows the very first weekend, um, elk hunting is elk hunting, man. Like biggest takeaway for that is everything has to be almost perfect for a shot opportunity to be presented when you're elk hunting, uh, yeah. with a bow, just cause like, obviously you want to make the best shot you possibly can, you know, you owe it to the animal. And so you're not going to take, you know, like an 80 yard bomb. That's kind of, you're like, eh, I don't know about that marginal. shot. So yeah, marginal. Yeah, exactly. So my dad and I are definitely very ethical hunters. So you know, we're always making sure that we're, you know, in the right spot at the right time. So I think that's my biggest takeaway is, uh, we just couldn't make it happen, but that's why you call it elk. That's why you call it hunting and not killing. So, um, at the end of the day, we didn't get it done in elk season, but, um, yeah, it just makes you look forward to next year. Thankfully I was, I'm ending this year with a, you know, one of the two tags filled and I can't complain. Right. I mentioned on the latest Monday minute, Steve and I are going to do, um, our gear of the year type recap, which we've done the last handful of years and then encouraged you guys listening to also share a suggestion. If you had your gear of the year, I just thought it'd be fun to include you guys in some of what your highlights were from the year. So one, this is just a reminder to do that. Just email us to podcast at exomountgear.com. If you have something that really stood out, worked well for you, made a difference, et cetera. It'd be fun to hear about what your quote unquote gear of the year is. Um, Jake though, what have you, and I didn't prepare you at all, but do you have a standout if you had to pick a something or a couple things for your gear of the year suggestion, anything come to mind immediately? I just thought you were going to invite me to be part of the Steve and Mark gear of the year, uh, oh, you're, spreadsheet. You're doing I thought that's now. what you're well, that's not fair because I wasn't prepared. <laughs> You're not prepared. Um, no, I mean, as far as I mean, there's not much new, not many new things uh, yeah. that I'm, that's what's I tough, think man. Of. I've and I feel like I've said that's the last few years. It's like at the end of the day, the gear of the year. Like my goal every year is not to go find the best new everything. My goal is just simply to like if something's great, I want to keep using it. And then of course there's curiosity and opportunities that we get to try new stuff. But sometimes like the gear of the year for me, isn't something new this year. It's maybe something that I've been using for years, but like got more value of, or made more of a difference this year. Um, because right. yeah, chasing new is silly. If you already have stuff, that's great. 
Mm-hmm. I, I do think, and I, I'm, I'd be shocked if this wasn't on your guys' list. So I apologize if I'm just taking this right from under you guys. But yeah, the new thing for me would be the stabilizing binos from SIG. I think those things, um, I think those things are the greatest binos on the market right now. Um, you know, they, they make How them much in the did 12s, you get the paid to say that? Um, maybe a free set of SIGs. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I might have a friend or two who works there. No, I mean, Honest to goodness, like those things are awesome. I have the 12s. I ran the 16s, but I personally own the 12s. And those things are just unreal. And I've shown I've shown a lot of friends those binos and they're just blown away. Like, no way. This is, you know, just ran by a double A battery, really. Um, so that that would probably be my number one, you know, piece of gear. And then as far as anything else, I mean, yeah, everything's pretty dialed in for me. Um, you know, bow setup clothing, things like that. Like a lot of my gear for the year is honestly stuff that you and Steve talk about. One thing that I was bummed I didn't get to use, but I knew, I knew way in advance I wasn't going to, um, was like my new rifle setup, you know, the chassis and everything like that. But that's something actually that I'm going to usually like in the wintertime, my dad and, uh, my dad and I, my grandpa are big, you know, we like to reload in the wintertime and go shoot steel. So that'll be something I'll do. I'll pick back up is actually shoot my rifle some more and get familiar with that. But I knew I wasn't going to have a rifle tag this year, which was bittersweet. I love archery hunting, but with a new rifle setup, you really want to get out and use it. Um, so that's going to be something I'll, I'll do towards the end of this year, but not apply it to hunting. So yeah. that's, um, yeah, that's, that's this, this, the binos though, those were, those were key for me. Nice. We're like, uh, exact flip-flopping opposites on i'm like so anxious to start shooting my bow again <laughs> this winter and <laughs> yeah. just get some reps with arrows because all all of my hunts this fall were rifle hunts and and i knew that like going out of the gate because i just didn't do anything in september because i had that sheep tag and so i realized once i got the sheep tag like man i'm not gonna have an archery tag this year so you know i just didn't shoot my bow this past year um i shot like shot it just a little bit but it was like any free time i had when i would normally be shooting and preparing for hunts like yes i was still preparing for hunts or training or what have you but i just flat out knew i wasn't going to have an archery tag so even though i wanted to shoot my bow from an enjoyment perspective i just had to make the best use of my time of like being quote-unquote productive and none of that included preparing for an archery tag so i am like really excited to now that my season's wrapping up like start shooting the bow again yeah no that's hilarious yeah you and i are definitely flip-flopped i mean i love shooting the bow i mean bow hunting or, or shooting is just one of the coolest things and i mean hitting steel at a thousand yards is also great they're both um, pretty fun they, yeah it doesn't suck that's for sure new bows are coming out our new bows have been announced and everything like that are you thinking about maybe looking at getting a new one or are you kind of pretty set on your hoyt right now that you're I, shooting love 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 my hoyt but yeah like we just talked about i try new things try new thing like i don't know i don't know we might have to just tinker and part of what uh gosh i'm letting cat out of the bag here we may be trying some new stuff partially just to like be able to talk about other experiences and things like that because i have been consistent with shooting my hoyt for a whole bunch of years um and it would be fun to just like see what else is out there and just not even like necessarily to quote unquote change, but just to have like the opportunity to try stuff, talk about it. It'd be fun to do some podcasts and we're talking about even doing some video stuff on 
archery setups and comparisons this year. So there, there's a chance I'll be tinkering with some other stuff. Gotta, but at the end of the day, I'm also going back to like what I just said about gear of the year. I'd be happy enough to just keep shooting my Hoyt and hunting. And but yeah, I love it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to keep me in the loop on like the archery stuff. Definitely want to be in on that. I was thinking about, you know, that, that I, I don't think, I mean, I've upgraded probably every other year and, you know, new bows just came out and I know we were texting about it kind of when the new, some of the new bows just got released like this last week. And I was like thinking about it, but now that I killed the deer, um, just recently with my new bow, which I'm <laughs> loving, I'm not, I'm going to wait a little bit. Cause I'm like, yeah. man, that's, that's just bad luck if you switch. And the other thing is just getting familiar with the bow. Like once you get it all dialed in, granted, like the archery industry as a whole, like I know Steve has talked about it and knows more about it than I do, but like, you know, bows are very, very, um, not, not a whole, whole lot is changing, you know, sure. Bracite changes or speed changes, weight, yada, yada. But, um, my biggest thing is like, once you get a new bow, you got to go through the process of reciting in, you know, tuning it and everything like that, which is fine. You know, it's great. Um, that time that definitely costs you time. And I think it's just more valuable. Like once you get a new, once you get your bow set up and everything might as well just spend that time that you would be doing tuning it and paper tuning it and stuff like that. And just taking this bow and shooting it and getting familiar with it and just getting building more and more confidence with that. So that's kind of what my, my goal is with, with my bow into next year is just, just being dialed with it. So no, no upgrades for me. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's it's so true. I I think I've said this before on the podcast, like years and years ago, and I was on pro staff for a bow company. It's like we would get two new bows every year, and that sounds like you know so many guys are like, oh, that sounds amazing, and it was at first, and then it became a giant pain in the butt because it was like, like a lot of work. <laughs> I was used to this bow, and I loved this bow, and sure, this new one's nice, but now I got to set it up and tune it and change it and. Um, yeah, I mean, first world problems, I'm not complaining and I'm not in that situation anymore, but I, yeah, having gone through that, it's, it's not as fun as it sounds. And it, it's interesting to me, the, like, even with rifles, the journey I've gone in the last five plus years of getting more in depth and I'm, I don't want to say I'm over that now, but it, it is drew a lot of parallels to me now that I have gone through so much and so in depth to what I did with archery of like, I wanted to learn everything and tinker with everything and try everything and all that. And I think it's so valuable to do that because you learn a lot. And I did the same thing with rifles, but after doing it with both bows and rifles, now I'm just to the point where it's like, now I just want to simplify. Now I know what I like. Now I know what works. Now I know what isn't worth tinkering and what is worth setting up. And then like, you get to the point where you explore all that and then you just kind of like simplify and go, nope, this is it. I'm done. Let's just go hunt. Let's shoot, whether it's bow or rifle, what have you. But the process is valuable. Getting in the weeds on that stuff, you learn a lot and it is valuable. Absolutely. And that's the fun part of tinkering. You just, I just think there's a balance, you know, time is everything. So, you know, I think you just, once you balance out the time of tuning and, and shooting and going hunting, like then you're good. But well, we didn't, I guess we technically didn't get to any listener questions today. And we say this is about listener questions. So apologies, but it is a special day. Again, the sales going on right now. Jake, super excited for you. Thank you. It was fun to hear your story. Congrats. And uh, yeah. we will yeah. be back to answer listener questions. So if you have one, send us an email to podcast at xmontgear.com or look for the link in the show description that says leave a message. 
Uh, and then if you have a pack question during the sale, give us a shout. You'll talk to us. We'll be happy to help steer you in the right direction. Thanks as always for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.